0: Quiet your mind. Ever since the earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis.
1: Like the song. I, I love this. there ain't too much I haven't seen'm oh, Joe a the song goes out to you since our last episode man. Joe has been a, a rambling ramblin man. man and we've been itching to get back in the studio because Joe has a lot of stories Joe where did you go man oh, I traveled through five states. Uh, let's see.
0: I went through Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska. I've
1: been but the, man. the see, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. The main point was to end up in Skidmore, Missouri. Now, I was thinking this on the way over here. You guys probably listen to some more podcasts out there. You don't just listen to us, but that's okay. But I challenge you to think about another podcast. It's like, oh, we're just going to do an episode about this. Or we're going to drive like six hours to go investigate a little bit. <laughs> And do some homework on this thing and come back and talk about it. Joe went all the way to Skidmore to check this case out firsthand to see what he could see. It's going to shed so much light on this thing as he talks about it. Joe, what do you think, man? First off, I want to clear something up. The beginning of the previous episode,
0: I misspoke. I didn't catch it until I listened to it after it was published. But I said that no people have ever been named in the shooting of Ken McElroy. That's not true. I meant to say no no people (laughs) have ever been Indicted, charged, prosecuted. Okay. Officially, people have been named and we're going to name those people later. Okay. okay. Just want to clear that up. Okay. Because <laughs> I heard that and I was like, oh, damn. No, not
1: named Joey. Oh, it messed up. So anyway, cleared that up. If that's, if that's the worst that happens, man, come that's on. the only mistake we've made in four years. But, on this you know, we're super proud that you went to do that. And I think it's going to make these episodes even that much better because you're going to be able to paint the picture even more than you do already because you were there. You were standing in the spots. It was surreal to stand
0: there. And so I didn't go up there with the intent of, you know, I'm going to knock down doors and rattle some cages and I'm going to get to the bottom of this area. I'm going to, find, I'm going to interview people. <laughs> I just wanted to be there. Yeah. yeah. Which might sound weird, I drove six hours just to but that was good enough for, i just I just wanted to stand on the street that I've looked at a thousand times in documentaries and old news station segments and on google maps I just wanted to be there and i went I got up there at about three forty p m Friday, which would have been twenty ninth of July okay, and parked very strangely just i pulled down the street there where it all happened and there's just a couple of cars there was also a festival happening there this weekend called the pumpkin show okay we probably will talk about that a little bit later and that was my my thinking was i'll go up there during that and that way i can kind of blend into the crowd and stay there longer and snoop around and uh, rather than just being the sole different car in town without a state plates and who the hell's this guy walking around i wanted that was kind of a cover yeah Yeah, i got you Thing is, uh the population of the town's only 284. Okay. <laughs> and everybody was there at the festival. I still stuck at like it's still a different car, different plates, no one had ever seen me. Yeah. Everybody was still super nice. Was, yeah. was there other
2: out of towners there though besides you or no. was it just wow. No. So you were that's
0: crazy. dude. So it was... it's
2: not like something that draws in the surrounding towns I don't or... think
0: so. Huh. Uh, but I do want to say <laughs> I got there on a Friday afternoon, and the only thing happening was like a tractor pull, um, lawnmower tractor pull, yeah. like souped up John Deere lawnmower. Cool. Uh, the biggest part of it was going to be the next day, which was like a car show and a cook off and all this. More people may have been there. Yeah, oh, okay. but I'll get to that. So I got there at three forty. I pull up and. This it's it is deserted pretty much. I mean, there's and don't let the documentaries and stuff you. There's some really nice, cute, well kept, really nice houses in and around Skidmore. Sure. Uh, in the documentaries and stuff, they I guess they just want to portray it as just being dilapidated, so they just show the pictures. There are rundown houses too.
1: I guess that kind of sets the tone and the mood for your video because you're it's a dark subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, yeah. there's
0: a lot of really nice like old style. Two-story farm homes there and cute, yeah. cute houses. Like, oh. So I was, you know, surprised by that because I've just seen, like, a skewed version of it. Sure. But I get there. I get out. I've been in the car for most of six hours, so I'm stretching my legs, and I'm, I'm looking around. It's like, I don't see anybody. What is this festival, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, I don't know, 50 feet from me, out of one of the old buildings, an uh, uh, older gentleman steps out and lights up a cigarette. So I just, like, be- beeline for him. And I'm walking... I'm going right towards you. I'm, You're you like, know. screw blended in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hello, sir. Could you tell me all you know about the murder? <laughs> what do you know about? No. He unfolds a card and puts a press <laughs> press card in his hat. And scurries on. Pulls out a little yeah. tablet. What's the scoop? <laughs> and then I pull out one of those cameras that
0: has the big flash. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to say hi, and I might not even mention Ken. Let's see how this... Sure. I was going to fill this guy out, and I can start a conversation with a statue. You yeah. know me? Yeah. 105
2: degrees outside, and Joe's in a trench coat with a... <laughs> <laughs> with a fedora
0: on. You're not from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, I walk up to him, and I just said, did I miss the pumpkin show? And he said, no, it doesn't really start till six. So almost two hours. We're gonna oh, okay. Little tractor pull. I said, oh, okay. So I was just stretching my legs, uh, been in that car for six hours. And he said, you drove six hours for the pumpkin <laughs> show? <laughs> and then immediately I was already like, I have to tell him why I'm really here yeah. now. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, so, You blew your cover already. Within four words. So I said, well... I've also always kind of had a fascination with Skidmore, and he was still reading me, you know, and I was like, the Ken McElroy thing. How
2: how old was the gentleman, do you think?
0: Mid-60s. Okay. Okay. And so he goes, oh, when I dropped the McElroy name. One of you. No, he ended up being very cool. So I just laid out, I just poured my heart out. I was just like, I've just been into the, I I said, I know y'all have been inundated with people from all over for 40 years, and you know, it's was just like, I just had to see the place, you know. It's just been a fascinating case, and, and I just had to see it with my own eyes. And then I was like, be honest with me, how sick are you of people like me showing up? And he, like, took a drag off his cigarette, which felt like it was five minutes.
1: <laughs> Thanks, sir, for waiting so long. Yes.
0: And he was like, most of us are pretty sick of it. Uh. Like, oh, I'm not joking. And I was like, yeah, I don't blame you. But then he just started talking about it. You know, he was like, you know, you're parked right where it happened. What? Yeah, and I said, I know, that's why I parked there. <laughs> you know, I said, I know a lot about this case. Wow. I thought you
1: accidentally parked there. That's No, you, I parked exactly. That doesn't surprise me that you knew. <laughs> you're like, I got to hurry and get there early so I can get in Ken's spot. The- <laughs> yeah,
2: and he, and he asked why the punk and like, did he miss the festival? He's like, the Griswolds going to Wally World. <laughs>
1: It's
0: closed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I said, yeah, that's why I parked there. I kind of knew. And then, so like he takes another drag off his cigarette, and then he's like, I knew him. Whoa. Yeah. But it, you know, it shouldn't be a huge anybody that's older sure. and lived there. They had to have known him. Yeah, it's population uh, 400. I'm
1: starstruck, I guess. I, I kind of was too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's totally rational that he would know him. Yeah, yeah. That's right. He said, yeah, I knew him. And I said, you did. And I'm not going to give the guy's name.
0: He told me his name, but I didn't tell him I was a podcaster. I didn't tell him, you know, I, I didn't tell him anything. We're, we're
1: just yeah. talking. So yeah. he
2: blew his cover, but he didn't tell him everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we yeah. got You got to hold a little bit back right. because the, the podcast might have been the one things like, you know, that might have sent him over the edge. Yeah. Like, hang on just a second. Seriously. I didn't want to. Yeah. Because when I got back
0: home, my wife was like, you should have recorded it. Yeah. And I said, it sounds like that would make sense here at home, but being there, yeah. the last thing I wanted to do was pull out my phone and be like, talking to the, what'd yeah. you say? No. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do it without his knowledge either. Right. So he's he's like, I didn't have any problems with Ken. because I know a lot of us did. He said, you know what they don't tell you about is the people that Ken tried to start his shit with and got shut down quick. He said, oh. with, He said with Ken, the important thing was the very first time he tried to bow up if you shut him down, then you were usually OK. So he told, huh. me, he told me a story. Uh, oh, he also worked with Ken's brother Tim at the time. OK. OK. And so I did the math, so when then, when this whole thing went down, when Ken was killed, this man I was talking to was like early twenties. Uh, OK. And so, and he worked with Tim, and everybody said, and he said, Tim was a great guy. And everything I read, every interview ever, like, his brother Tim, is, the, it was the, the youngest boy, was just a solid dude. Like, hmm. no one ever had a bad word to say about him. But anyway, he said, I had a brother-in-law back in those days that was pretty crazy, but you had to wake it up in him, you know? He just wasn't crazy all day. And him and Ken had a little, I don't know, a little squirmish in town, or whatever you want to call it. And... He said, Ken pulled, tried to pull that shit where he would park in front of his house and sit there. He said he tried it that night. And he said, my brother-in-law grabbed a pistol and snuck around the back of the house and up behind the truck and then just popped up and put that gun right to Ken's temple. And he said, you're going to have to beat this out. Yeah. And he said, the next time, Mother Humper, I pulled the trigger. And he said, Ken never bothered wow. that guy. Again. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> That's what he told me. Put in this, Mother Humper. <laughs> Also, well, I, to, I will. But also,
2: <laughs> the one time he actually gives me a warning. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're gonna have to edit this. I've ne- like, you know how many <laughs> Ivan beeps I've done, and, and and he finally gives me a warning. I just so, figured uh, you'll
0: know. You know, maybe you can note the time. The
1: road changes a man, yeah. right,
0: Joe? I've seen some
1: shit, Sam. You don't know. <laughs> no warning. <right? laughs> Exactly. He's back to his old place. There's Joe. There you are. We thought you were lost. Well, that's awesome. This is, gonna, like I said, it's going to make this whole thing better. I wanted to go on this trip with you, but um, you got to live it, man. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. And that was really it. I
0: talked to him for just a few more minutes. And then uh, it was two hours to kill until the pumpkin show started. So Nebraska was like 40 minutes away. Oh, I cool. Drove over into Nebraska. Uh, had a milkshake in Nebraska and then came back. Nice.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. They're known for their, well, not really, but <laughs> let's say they are. <laughs> now they are. Yeah. Do they have corn in it? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of corn. Yeah. It was that's a, a corny joke. Chewy uh-huh. milkshake. No, that's awesome. That's so, awesome.
0: what's weird was so when I, then I go to the pumpkin show. It starts, uh-huh. it's at the park there and it's pretty back there and there's the Skidmore water towers right there. And I show up. And, and like I said, everybody was super nice. Mm-hmm. Even though I was very obviously, I did not blend in like I thought I would. I didn't get any dirty looks. I got a couple of double takes. You know, I think people just like, oh.
1: Yeah, who's that? Yeah. I thought at first I thought it was one of them Donahue boys, but <laughs> no, nope, it's not. I know it's not. I'm telling you. Well, probably and,
2: everybody in town
0: knows everybody. Yeah, one of those literally things. everybody. Yeah. To get to Skidmore, it is. Thirty minutes of sixty-five miles an hour through just a tunnel of a one-lane tunnel of eight-foot-tall corn yeah. on either side. There is nothing, and then all of a sudden, there's Skidmore. So it's kind,
1: these, of, it's kind of like isolated. the
0: village, yeah. <laughs> very much so.
1: That's that cool. W- that which we do not speak of. Yes. That's the kin, the case of them. I wish, I wish one of them would have made you and been like, "How's your podcast?" <laughs> or you something like that. would be yeah, I saw the sticker on the back of your Volkswagen Dawn of
0: Mantis. We got you. You bring your headphones with you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was wild, so isolated. There's other towns around, but no no town with more than, like, 1,200 people. They're half an hour away. Maryville, Maitland,
1: Oregon, Mound City, they're all scattered around there. Uh, Which, Quintland. you know, I, I do want to say I don't want to make fun of the town because it sounds like, you know, just a few hundred people, that might be kind of cool to, yeah. to live in a place like that. I know? wouldn't mind it. Yeah. yeah. Especially, like, back in... Before everything happened,
0: where there was like a gas station, a grocery yeah. store, a bank, a, a tavern, everything you need's right
1: there, you know. And hey, think about that town. You move in there, start. Someone starts being a punk, and they're just like, "Okay, we're gonna take care of that." <laughs> that's true. I mean, you got to give <laughs> yeah. it to them. I mean, that's a cool town.
2: They're like, "No, nope. I'll just say we weren't poking fun of the town. We were no, poking I was fun of Joe's around. outsiderness." Yes,
1: that's yeah. the target. Joe, you're the target of our joking. Sorry, Sorry fine. man. That's fine.
0: You know, and really quick before I continue with the story of being there, I was watching that Sundance documentary again about this. And what's funny is there's a theme through the whole documentary. There's different people that are like, I'd be careful there. Or I want to tell more than I know, but I'd get shot. Well, you better be careful because you'll get shot in Skidmore. And I want to say this. Ken's the only guy that got shot in that manner that I know of. And he lived there. He lived there. Okay, you want to you really want to tell me that in Skidmore, Missouri you'll just get shot for farting in church or for saying they're spitting on the sidewalk? Yeah, it he, took him yeah, he had to almost do. 20 years of shooting, pillaging, raping, uh, harassing, stalking <laughs> to finally get shot and now you're telling me, "Now be careful now, they'll just No,
1: you are full of shit. Those, that makes that, me so angry. Them people are kind of thin skinned. The <laughs> guy can't make a few mistakes. That's the last place you'll get shot. My God, he it's like he was trying to get shot.
2: Joe came back a, a Skidmore advocate. I am.
1: That's, I am. Well, that's awesome, that's, though. Yeah, that is awesome. I, I am too.
2: It's probably, I don't know, it's probably better that you were probably the only outsider in town <laughs> because you, you had a great experience with the town. They and were the town nice. folk. They were,
0: and they knew, they knew, like they, they knew I was there. Look, this town over the last 41 years since this happened, you just type in Skidmore on Google and you, every media news outlet, every newspaper, even the, from the London, from all around the world, uh, 60 Minutes, ABC, CBS, CNN, all these, and then not to mention podcasters, YouTubers, everybody has been there poking around, so they're they know by them yeah. or you know to them by now it's old hat. Like we sure. got another one. They you know because if there's two hundred people in the town, you you just stick out like a sore thumb. And so when I went to the tractor pull thing that night, immediately I was like, well, my blending in plan is gone. That's there's a there's two hundred people here max, hundred fifty, you know, so that's gone. So. I went over to the little booth. It was Punkin' Central where these two little old ladies were sitting. I was like, you know what? I came here to gawk just like so many other people have, but I'm at least going to contribute to the sure. town. yeah. Yeah. So I bought, I was like, you got shirts for sale? I bought like four or five shirts. Yeah, that's cool. I said, what, what's this for? It's a raffle ticket because there was this uh, rifle there, oddly
1: <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> that just hit me how ironic that was. I but, yes, tapped my feet, I was so excited about <laughs> that. They were raffling off. Know if you could hear it on the mic, but I'm like, <laughs> <vimos> oh wait, that I
0: made
1: I'll me wonder, giddy.
0: I wonder why ear that raffle started. <laughs> yes, they were raffling a rifle. They were.
1: Yes. If I- you had won that thing, could you imagine <laughs> drive back with a gun? How did that not strike me until just as I said it right now? And when you walked in your house, you could have told your wife, Yeah, they give everyone a gun. It shows up in town. <laughs> Souvenir. Welcome to Skidmore. Here's your rifle. Thank you. Okay. No. You could turn it into a keychain if you want. <laughs> so, wow. That was, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Super. You okay. were just in the middle of defending them and you're like, is <laughs> not they raffle off a gun? <laughs> No, that's still awesome, though. That's so ironic. So I bought like five
0: or six tickets to raffle tickets for the gun. Then I left early. So I don't think I won, though, because this is the next part of the story. This is what's funny. Because the ladies were super sweet. Like I said, I made conversation with a few other people. And by the way, once I got there, it was just such a cool atmosphere and just a little town. Families, kids running around. Farmers, you know, driving their tractors up there and and getting the the lawnmowers ready. People selling sweet corn. And I was like, the last thing I would ever do is bring up Kim McElroy. Yeah, exactly. It hit me like a ton. Like, I am definite. That's the last thing. And then I had this rush. I felt like... Now, they didn't make me feel this way. Everybody was super sweet and nice. But I felt like... I felt invasive. I felt like guilty for even just being there. I was just like, I shouldn't even be here.
1: I shouldn't be here. Wow, that's that's kind of moving. I felt
0: like I was crashing a family reunion or
1: something. I just felt so like I should not be here. It'd be funny if you found a mic. You know, they have like a like a PA, and you're like, oh yeah. (laughs) If anyone has any information about your darkest. (laughs) day in history of your town
0: that you just want to forget for the last 41 goddamn years
1: i'm here for that yeah no that's awesome that you felt that way because that means you're a good dude i knew that anyway but you didn't like poke around so don't feel bad i wouldn't feel bad now i mean i don't know i just i just felt like i'm not here for the right reasons no you are you are actually because we're going to talk about this case and you you're actually probably one of the only people that are trying to spin this town in a positive light you started it from the beginning like of this episode so it's like that's good. Sundance didn't probably do that. No, they it's tried It's a to, good little town. We'll address that bullshit One Sundance bad thing to, happened, yeah. Yeah. Well, not one bad thing. But, a few, but. Well, but... But the last bad thing was the thing to stop all the other bad things. That's, That's true. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, Actually, I not call that a bad thing. No, I'd call that justice. Yes. Well, the only indication that anyone even
0: gave me that, you know, affirmed that they indeed didn't know, when I bought those raffle tickets... Uh, I, I gave her the money Because I at least wanted to just contribute I said, I don't know, I'm not going to win or whatever But the, the old lady kind of perched her glasses And she said, okay And she looked at me and she goes Well, we don't know who you are And those that we don't know who they are Just in case they win, they need to sign this paper and put their phone number on it, and she slid it over, and it was empty. So I was the only one there <laughs> Whoa. that they didn't know. That's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and I wrote my name on it, and I wrote the town that I'm from, which is six hours away. And she slid it over and looked at it and goes, okay, <laughs> you know. But she was. They were both really nice. Yeah. Then pretty much the rest of my Skidmore experience was: I walked over there, I I, I bought a pulled pork sandwich and a Dr Pepper. I sat on one of the little bleachers. By myself, you know. With there was lots of people there, but I went by myself, and I watched the trailer. The tractor drags for about an hour, you know, and yeah. then and then I was like, I think that's yeah, kind of what I came to do. And then when I left, the good thing was everybody was at that, so I kind of did drive up and down and just. There's other places that we're going to cover coming up, yeah, where things happen, sure. and I got to see those, cool, and, yeah, you know, and see that, and then basically. Uh, I just got up early the next morning, and uh, the coolest thing about my drive, I did want to say, one of my favorite new features that I didn't know Google Maps had was you can hit a button that's avoid highways.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't know that existed either. Yeah. If you
0: go to options,
1: and it was like
0: four hours and 49 minutes home, and I hate cities. Yeah. I I hate eight lanes of traffic. I hate all the loop-de-loops and the levels and, and the construction barrels. I hate all that shit. I hate large groups of people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was, <laughs> sound so crotchety. <laughs> I'm so, glad you didn't win that gun. <laughs> <laughs> he probably
2: did,
1: though. Yeah. They
2: probably called his number like two minutes after he left.
1: Yeah. Could, but could you blame the old lady be like, hey, Peggy, let's throw his ticket away. We he don't know. want that stranger to win it. Get out of town. Or, yeah.
0: We don't know his real motives. Were they, yeah.
2: the, <laughs> were they the two old ladies from the Grinch? Stole Christmas? <laughs>
1: That's what that's the yeah, Sam's picturing. Like you are
0: still living. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah awesome. they found him in the tree.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: But no, so I it like <laughs> it did say, you know, it changed my my travel time from four hours and fifty minutes to six hours and forty minutes. Whoa. But it was worth every minute. Yeah. I'm talking there were stretches coming back through Nebraska and Kansas where it was like 30 solid minutes of I didn't see one car. I might have passed one little farmhouse with wow. a with a barn and a tractor, and then it was just other than that, it was just corn. You know, or how f- many yes. stalks
2: of corn did you pee on?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I imagine can't count that Imagine
1: high. how many fried bologna sandwiches he could have bought in the way <laughs> on that little two lane road, probably over ten twenty miles. You no know, crap. I'm not crapping on it. It's amazing. Yeah, That's good stuff. It was a great way to travel.
0: Like it was awesome. Sure, it added a lot of time, but. It was cool. I got to go through, I went through a town called Bigelow, Missouri, population 27, it said on the sign. Yeah. Uh, And it was literally like three houses. But I'm like, how's this a town? It was just three houses close together. But that was cool. Just, yeah, you would just go through nothingness forever, which I love. There was one place that was like a valley and it was just fields of like beans and corn. And there was a river on one side. It's like the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. That is really cool. No people. No sign of people anywhere. You know, it was so cool that way. But oh, anyway. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. But uh, yeah, so I just, that's my Skidmore trip. I I got to see it and, you know, I, you're not going to, at this point, get a scoop on it. Anything that can be mined out of that place has been mined for information. Yeah. Those people are not going to talk. And I wouldn't even ask them that at this point. Well, so, Joe, uh, there's a
1: famous quote that says, traveling leaves you speechless But in turn, turns you into a storyteller. So, now it's time for you to become the storyteller. (laughs) And let's get into this. I can't wait to hear all the little details about all the little places that you saw. All right, let's tell the story. Are you
0: ready? During her time there, now this is, let's back up just a little bit. Trina has tried to separate from Ken and she has gotten kind of with a foster family uh, until this court thing can get through because she made allegations uh, against him with a sexual assault and all that. Yeah. So now they're basically hiding her out with this family. Isn't
2: Ken sitting outside the house? Yeah. Is that where we left at? Yeah, I believe
0: so. Oh, yeah. He had been sitting outside the house, and then the police came up and had talked to him. Okay. And we went through the whole thing where basically yeah. he knew the law, so they said he didn't actually step up in the yard, so he technically didn't break the law. Yeah. Well, during her time there, Trina had become part of this family, this foster family that she was with. She actually got to see what normal life was like for once. The girls were uh, close to her age, their daughters, and they talk about music, movies, and boys together all the time. For her own safety, Trina was not allowed out of the house, but the girls were allowed to have a birthday party for a friend at the house, and Trina met a boy at that party that she liked. Uh, he wasn't in his 30s. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> He started to come by and visit her, and they'd sit on the couch and talk for hours. Trina asked if they could possibly go out on a date. Ginger asked the social worker and was told no. It was uh, not worth the risk. Meanwhile, it was time once again for the prosecutor to see if they could make any of Ken's new charges stick. In November of 73, a preliminary hearing was held on the charges of rape, arson, and flourishing a deadly weapon. The judge set to preside over the case was Skidmore native Monty Wilson, and he immediately disqualified himself. This was not mm. the first time. In fact, every time he had been set to preside over anything that had anything to do with Ken
1: McElroy, Wilson had excused himself. Hmm. <laughs> it's I like fi- working at a tire shop. they like, hey, here's a flat. It's like, nope, not me. <laughs> not going to do my job. He's afraid that flat would shoot him. Which, <laughs> which you know, it's easy for me to say. I mean... I'm sure it's incredibly intimidating.
0: Well, and he had he had kind of a good reason, even though officially sure. he'd, he'd never stated why, but he did confide in friends that he was terrified of Ken and he was scared that he would be uh, killed if he ever crossed Ken.
1: He could have been threatened directly
0: at some point. I'm sure he was, yeah. man. Yeah. Those who knew Wilson were perplexed as to why he'd ever become a judge in the first place. He was jumpy, paranoid, and easily intimidated. He was also too soft for the job, according to one deputy sheriff who said, quote, Wilson had less force in his voice than an 11-year-old girl. He had no guts at all. Mm. (laughs) No offense to any 11-year-old girls.
1: (laughs) Hey, we got (laughs) guts. We could do the job.
0: (laughs) A week after Wilson disqualified himself, a hearing was held next door in Atchison County. Just went through there. I am going to be doing that a lot. No, that's okay. I was there, goddammit. Just went through there. No warning. (laughs) The star witnesses were Trina and her uncle Russ. Despite McFadden's usual antics and showmanship, isn't it possible, though, that (laughs) nothing... The magistrate found sufficient evidence that crimes had been committed and bound Ken over for
1: trial. Okay. So they they at least got through the first hurdle. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. We're gonna go to trial, finally. Unbelievable. Local law enforcement
0: and the prosecuting attorney drove home in a daze that day. Was Ken McElroy going to
1: be held accountable for one of his crimes? Was it finally going to happen? I don't think so. There's a <laughs> lot more podcasts to do on this thing. To ensure Ken
0: would be convicted of something, Trina's testimony was used to file eight additional charges of child molestation. She was currently 15 years old, thus had been a minor throughout their entire relationship, and so Ken was charged with molesting Trina in 71, 72, and 1973.
1: Yeah, uh, how do those charges not stick? I mean, it's very factual. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: you will be amazed at how those charges don't stick. It's a whole new,
1: it's a whole new theory. Got her pregnant and the zygote didn't press charges. (laughs) So we got to let him go. We interviewed that baby for hours. Never would turn on him. That's a loyal baby. But let's keep going. It's ridiculous. It make any sense.
0: This totaled 12 felony charges against Ken for 71, 72, and 73. Um, and if they'd been pursued straight away while Trina was safe and in protective custody, she may have held out. But McFadden set about doing what he did best. He first delayed the cases by successfully having them transferred to different counties. Then, each time they were due in court, he'd file a continuance. Same old shit. Yeah. Finally, the first set of charges was set for late 1974, a year and a half after those crimes, and three years after the molestation had occurred. McFadden knew that time was on his side, and the longer he could postpone a trial, the less likely it would ever happen. He was right. After a year... With Ginger and George, Trina was devastated to learn that her grandparents had been granted custody of her. They took her far away from her new family and friends to a tiny town in Kansas where she didn't know a soul. After two months of desperate isolation, do you know what she did? She went back. Trina picked up the phone and called the only person she knew to call, Ken McElroy. In a classic and sad case of Stockholm Syndrome, in my opinion, she ran right back into the arms of her abuser. She told Ken where she was, and he was there to get her within hours. Prince Charming. Yep, within hours. Yeah. Now that Ken had Trina back, it was time to get rid of the dozen pesky felony charges that awaited him. Yeah. <laughs> the next day, he burst into McFadden's office and said, What happens if I marry Trina? McFadden studied a moment and answered, Well, then she can't testify against you, and they got no case.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I
0: forgot about that. But you've got a problem, Ken. You're already married. What McFadden was citing was Missouri's husband-to-wife privilege, which provides that a person may not testify against their spouse in court. Without another word, Ken turned and whizzed out of McFadden's office. Two days later, there was another visitor. This time it was Sharon McElroy, the only one of Ken's brood of women he was actually married to at the time. She sat across from the attorney and informed him that Ken was granting her a divorce so he could marry Trina, and
1: he wanted McFadden to handle it. There is a silver lining, I just realized. What? It's a good thing that guy wasn't a polygamist. You know, he could just be married to all of them, and he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And none of them could press charges. Forget Skidmore. They should have went to Utah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a reign of terror. (laughs) But they probably don't have that stupid law, you know? They probably never, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Isn't that weird if you're married to someone you can't testify? Well, it is weird, but in our world and back then the man's world yeah. that makes sense yeah I, sadly it does today we know i just heard a statistic and i can't remember what it is but
0: it's a scary high statistic out of out of assaults and even homicides towards women The statistic of how many percentage It's usually within a relationship It's usually Mm. their
1: partner It's high Yeah
0: It's like 30 or 40 percent Yeah like my god So the fact that If there was ever a law That you couldn't testify Against that person
1: Oh yeah Jesus That's great Yeah that is Yeah that's That's way more insane Than I even thought of (laughs) Should bring up that stat Yeah Well, McFadden obtained Sharon's divorce in nearby Richmond, and the next
0: order of business was to find a place where Ken and Trina could get married. Remember, she was only 15 at this time, so McFadden informed Ken they'd need consent from her parents to proceed. No one ever uh, said how he convinced her, but just a few days later, Trina's mother showed up to sign a consent form for the marriage. Ken and Trina were married later that same day.
1: I bet he called, and I bet he was like... May I ask for your daughter's hand? (laughs) That's probably what it was. He probably...
0: Yeah. I really fancy her.
1: I'm going to take care of her. Yeah. It was
0: probably more like, do you enjoy breathing? (laughs) Well, if you want to continue that... Yeah. You'd better sign this consent (laughs) form. Either way, convincing. Yeah. Well, McFadden immediately called the prosecuting attorney, held the marriage certificate up to the phone and crinkled it in his hand and said, Do you hear that? That there's a certificate of marriage for one Ken Rex McElroy to Trina McLeod. That's how he let him know. He's proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. The prosecuting attorney was both shocked and devastated. He knew this act squashed 11 of the 12 felony charges against Ken. This only left one charge, flourishing a deadly weapon, which did eventually go to trial. But wouldn't you know it? Not a single witness could be found that would testify against Ken.
1: I want to skip to the end. Did you say the lawyer was in the passenger seat when all the... (laughs) Did you say that at one time? I wish he had been. Oh, man. I wish he had been. I'm looking for anything positive.
0: See, I'm telling you, Ken had a lot of help. Yeah. He had a lot of help in this.
1: And I actually remember last episode, I was like, no, I'm done being mad at Ken. I'm I'm mad at the lawyer now. Because there's no way he could have gone on for so long. Right. No. No,
0: there's no way. He would have been put to a stop long before. Yeah. Wow. That's what's so uh, insane about this. For those of you not keeping score, that made a total of 19 felony charges that Ken had avoided prosecution
1: for. Wow, well, that's got to be a record. It probably has got to be.
0: <laughs> Maybe as a reward for getting the charges dropped, Ken actually granted Trina her one request that she be the only woman living in the house. With this, Ken told Alice she had to go, which she happily did, although it apparently was not a total clean break because about a year after that, Alice gave birth to another child of Ken who was Ken McElroy Jr.
1: Yeah, and a year is longer than nine months. (laughs) Yes. So there was some tomfoolery there after the the break.
2: How old was Trina at this point? 15. Can't even call her a woman. No. No, no. yeah. See, I think child. whenever I was going back and editing all this, I remember I said a few things where I was like hearing it back, I'm like, Like, I keep thinking these are women, but they're not. They're children. Yeah, most of them. And so I was like, wait, like, we're looking at it, or I kept looking at it wrong and thinking, like, why are these women doing? But they're not. You know, they're children. Yeah.
1: Let's put Little in front of her name until she's... 18 in yeah. your notes. Little Trina. <laughs> <laughs> little, I mean, you would have said little a hundred times by now. Yeah. Because yeah. they were all little. Yeah.
0: Remember when Ken would call that foster home to try to talk to Trina? He was he would call her his little bride. Yep. He said, I'm mm. coming to get my little bride and I'll kill whoever tries to stop me. Isn't that crazy? Pfft, man, oh, that is. Well, we know that Ken made most of his money by stealing and selling stolen goods. But there was another passion in Ken's life that he has... What was very good and profitable at, and that was raising and training dogs, fighting dogs. <laughs> actually, just coon hunting. Dogs. Oh, okay, this is actually a part of
1: his life that's just normal. I was thinking he had like a Michael Vick side or something.
0: <laughs> that wouldn't surprise surprise me that he didn't. Coon hunting dogs, actually, to be specific, uh, is what Ken would raise, and uh, he was one of the best, if not the best, dog handler in like three states. Wow, he was. Hmm. That's pretty much across the board. He regularly sold champion hounds for two and $3,000 a piece. And this was in the you know, late 70s. The Ken McElroy known at the many dog meets held in that region of the county was very different from the one known in his home stomping
1: grounds. I could get real good at Mario Kart if I didn't work and just played it all the time. <laughs> I bet I could be in the leaderboards. Yeah. Doesn't make me like an expert gamer. Because that's probably all that guy did, beat his wives and run his dogs. But keep going, <laughs> sir. Didn't want you to. Didn't want you to slip in a compliment on this douchebag. Keep going, sir. No compliments shall be had. No, no, no. If you do another one, I'm gonna shoot it down again. That's like that Bill Burr bit where he's like, "What do you
0: say when a total piece of shit dies and you have to talk at his funeral? You're like, searching. Uh, 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 he paid his bills on time. He sure did. That guy never was late on it. I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah, that's the same kind of scenario. Uh,
0: the man his fellow dog trainers knew as quiet. Humble, kind, and generous. Hmm. Not has,
1: but was. Yeah. So that's weird. This was a side of him that. Because he was intimidated by them. Maybe so. He can only be like that to old men and young women. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When other handlers thought they'd got a bad call at a competition, it was custom. This is going to piss Ivan off because I'm going to say a couple of nice things about him. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: I'll I'll even the score. Spike it
0: back in his face. (laughs) Yes. When other handlers thought they'd got a bad call at a competition, it was customary to curse the judges and raise hell, but Ken never did. Hmm. Because
1: well, I, (laughs) I mean. You're just shaking over there. No, 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 I'm not. He had outlets for his anger, I would think. And they're called everyone else he knows. That's true. (laughs) Everyone else in his life, yeah.
0: He never got angry. He'd just grin and say, win some, lose some, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, he'd step in and calm other guys down. Hey,
1: what's the reason of getting violent? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, you need to keep a level head. Trust me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, these guys had heard rumors of all the thieving and violence, but never saw that side of Ken. At the very most, it was obvious that he held his women tightly under his thumb. Mm. So while we were, they were at these meets, he'd sit in the shade and smoke cigarettes and sip beer while the women fed, watered, exercised, walked, and hustled the dogs.
1: I bet if some guy got violent and he tried to calm him down and he couldn't, he just drove to his house later and said outside, (laughs) you're going to stay calm or I'm not leaving. and I'm going to stalk you for six months. (laughs) Better listen to me.
0: Well, some of these guys even joked that Ken had it made having no idea what life was like for the girls when they got back home. Mm, Look at him. He just sits there sucking on Marlboros and drinking Coors while them gals run the dogs
1: and make sure they're fed and... He's just a good actor is all it is. That's all it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, he's just playing a character, like expert dog man, Yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, that's true, man. That's true. Now, this is more or less the the story of Ken McElroy versus Skidmore, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And so far, we've mainly covered Ken's life and not much of Skidmore. That's because Ken's antics were pretty widespread throughout his life. It was only later that he and the community of Skidmore became entangled the way that they did. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Skidmore. Let's do it. Hey, I was just there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Quit bragging. <laughs> no one brags, I guess, about that. Mm, somebody in this room's been there. It's like, <laughs> it's
0: like well, wonder so, who.
1: I should have recorded the conversation. I tried to get my wife to go so bad. I was like, just, just go. Yeah, just it go. could have been a true crime couple yeah. kind of thing.
0: You can just be with me. You'll be, you know, at least we'll I won't be alone there. And then, hey, there's a motel room alone at night, you know. We can have sex. And she's like, oh, sounds enticing, but I'm going to stay home. That wasn't enough. to. I'm like, hey, six hours on the road with me, smelling my burrito farts. Then we're going to go to a town in the middle of nowhere where no one's at, and then we can have sex in a cheap hotel room. And what woman
1: wouldn't jump at that chance? Then we're going to drive home on a two-lane road. (laughs) Speed limit 45. (laughs) Wow, let's go. (laughs) No wonder. She's like, "Sign, no. Yeah, I just... No, I didn't go either. So, yeah, so I, I offered. diving in the same deal. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. I was foolish not to take exactly you off on the it. the same deal. I'll share my Arby sauce with you.
0: <laughs> oh God! Right down to the sex and the motel. Same deal as my wife. She ain't going. You're going. You in or out? No, I think I'm busy. Tempting. All right, Sam's next. Hey, Sam. No. Okay. Hard no? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Skidmore. Skidmore sits in Nottaway County in the northwest corner of Missouri. Now, this is just about 20 miles south of Iowa. And 20
1: miles east of Nebraska Oh, so you went to Nebraska I did you can go to, to, to Iowa. What do you got to to Iowa? I've already been there Okay, never mind yeah,
0: I'd Sorry. never been to <laughs> Nebraska okay. But I'd been to Iowa I was you trying know. to make
1: the Iowans Is it Iowans? Now they're going to be mad at me Because I'm not sure if that's right It is Oh, it is I'm sure Island. it is Okay Yeah, remember because I went to Clear Lake For the Buddy Holly thing Oh, yeah, that's it yeah, See, yeah. dude, I put in the miles I know, that's the second time For I put this in podcast. the miles, yes Yeah, I go to places That we never talk about We're going <laughs> to that's how selfish I am. We need to
0: reverse this. You guys tell me where you're going next, and I'll find a case there to cover, and then you guys can say you've been there. Yeah, go ahead. Sam's Las got Vegas, his hand up. Colorado. Yeah, Vegas.
2: You're going to Vegas? No, I just went in June. Okay. And well, you I know, was, I, it's and gotta I was be told about, and I told you about the case that was that happened there. Oh yeah, <sighs> he did. What case? It involved a dancer at Love and a topless review dancer at Fantasy.
1: Love I'm in fantasy. Okay. Okay. We should travel to these topless places <laughs> And then it to says, investigate.
2: He said, Deborah Flores, and last name I can't pronounce, was murdered by Jason Blue Griffith. She was a dancer at Fantasy, and he was a dancer at Cirque's Love. Oh. Oh.
0: So, yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. Extra, extra, Dawn of Mantis now has a merch store. There are t-shirts, long and short sleeve, as well as hoodies. Just go to dawnofmantis.com and click the t-shirt link. And while you're there, you can check out our Patreon. Quiet your mind. Skidmore is not too far east of Nebraska, 20 miles northeast of Kansas. It's just clustered right up there. That's how okay. I Okay. This area was first settled in 1840, and the town of Skidmore was incorporated 40 years later. It's just like I, right here on my t shirt. It says Skidmore, Missouri,
1: established 1880. Any chance you have to brag about it? Because I was just Shirt. Quit bragging. No, I'm kidding. I'd brag too. <laughs> but
0: yeah, the guy who founded its name was Martine Skidmore. Really? Yes. That was his name. Skidmore began life as a railroad town and reached its peak around the turn of the century. At one point, it boasted two banks, two doctor's offices, a hotel, an opera house, a lawyer's office, a dentist, a town newspaper, and 26 other businesses. Wow. Just outside of town was a sawmill, a massive apple orchard, and, of course, dozens of farms that produced livestock and vegetables like corn and beans. Not too long after, though, more highways and affordable vehicles dried the railroad up. Now all the farmers who used to sell their cattle and vegetables away to send them away, that is, uh, by train, were hauling them to nearby St. Joe and their Model T trucks and doing all their shopping while there. Cool. In just a few decades, Skidmore had gone from a thriving community with over 30 businesses to a partial ghost town with just one bank, one gas station, Mom's Cafe, the D&G Tavern, and Bowen Camps Grocery Store. Pretty much every one of those places are going to... Come into play soon. We've heard the Bowen Camp name before. I probably mentioned
1: it oh, okay. related to this. Okay. I think
0: we've may have even mentioned that okay. earlier.
1: Yeah, sounds familiar.
0: Two of these businesses, the tavern and the grocery, will play a huge part in the saga of Ken versus Skidmore. Okay. The grocery was owned and operated by Lois and Bo Bowen Camp. Bo's real name was Ernest, and the nickname Bo. Yeah, that uh, makes they, sense. They were an elderly couple who'd been in Skidmore forever. The tavern was owned uh, and operated by Dell and Greg Clement. Likewise with Deep Roots and Skidmore. A quick glance at a map will show that Skidmore is really and truly out of the way, very isolated, and not on the way to anything. So, like, if you end up in Skidmore, you did it on purpose. Okay. It's not just like, pass through Skidmore, heading up to... It's not. You don't do that. So, Skidmore is not on the way to anything, technically. No. (laughs) Yeah. Once you pass through Skidmore, you can't get anywhere else. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Does that make sense? No. A bunch of dead-end roads lead
1: out of this town. (laughs) No. (laughs) Can't get there from here. We have 12 (laughs) cul-de-sacs and one road in.
0: (laughs) But the community never seemed to mind it and actually preferred it that way. Anyone who's lived in a small town understands that little communities off the beaten path usually live by a different set of standards than the rest of the world, both cultural and otherwise. True. Skidmore reminds me, Of the town, look, I got to talk about where I grew up just for a minute. Okay. It reminds me of the town I grew up in throughout the 80s, Cincinnati, Arkansas. Okay. Not Ohio, Arkansas. It had a population of just a couple hundred people like Skidmore. And even though it was the 80s, everywhere else in the world, you'd never have known it in Cincinnati. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. This community, you know, you've been there. Yeah, oh yeah. Even at the time. This community was also made up of crop farms, cattle, ranches, and chicken and turkey farms, and the old men who worked them were no different than they'd been in the 50s. The community consisted of farms, a few homes, a cemetery, and a church, and exactly one business, a small store ironically named the
1: Cincinnati Mall. Yeah, I don't know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Well, every time my dad and I stopped
1: by there, I knew I was going to get an ice-cold bottle of Dr. Pepper and a candy bar. And that's good enough, because yeah, right. I don't even like malls. Me you know, neither. Our one around here is going to shut down, I think. Eventually. Surely. Malls, do, and does it's anyone go to malls anymore? Yeah. They just don't, do they? Yeah. Old people go in the morning to walk where they can get out of the heat. <laughs> I have noticed that. I mean, it, that sounds kind of cool.
2: Yeah. I ordered something on Hot Topic online for my daughter and had it shipped to the Northwest Arkansas Mall. Really? Because it was free shipping that way. Oh, and that's I was cool. gonna be over I was gonna be over in Fayetteville anyways. So I, I just stopped by there to pick it up. But the food court was really sad. You know it's yeah. like there's only like two places in there. does not you have a Chick-fil-A in there anymore. Yeah. You know, like so I was like man this it was mainly just the walkers.
1: Yeah. There's no bookstore, no toy store. No, uh, no. There's arcade. like there's Spencers and there's Hot Topic yeah. and there's some shoe places. Yeah, J.C. Dillard's.
2: Yeah, I don't even you know Sears closed down long and then, ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you could. There's seven places to get a personalized license plate.
2: <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, that's true. That's
1: it true. is. It is. Or yeah, man, a, cal- a calendar. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, calendar or games, board yeah, games. Yeah, you want a, any calendar you could ever think of. When we first
0: started driving, like, in the mid, late 90s, you could drive over to the mall, and it yeah. was a happening. It was. Oh, yeah, oh it was. my God. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. was. It was just, like, every store was, oh, everyone went to the mall. Like, teenagers would get dropped off there by their parents and spend yeah. all day. It had like an my, arcade
2: in
1: it. Oh, yeah. yes. So, Great like, food court. The mall was the shit
0: back yep. then. Yeah. So, look, I'm going to talk about Skidmore again here in a minute, but damn it, I wanted to share a childhood memory.
1: Oh, yeah, and we we
0: totally started riffing. No, that's fine. That's the, dude, riffing is what makes this podcast work. When I say we, I mean me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, getting back to the Cincinnati Mall, other than that ice-cold Dr. Pepper and candy bar, you know what else Cincinnati Mall had? What's that? Air conditioning. Oh. something neither my mom and dad's house nor my dad's old chevy truck had wow so i bet it was amazing dude it felt amazing to walk didn't even have a window unit no our house didn't no we had no i was i've talked about it before but i was 12 or 13 or something by the time we had air, and it was a window unit in one room in our house and yeah and i don't know i think i was seven 16 17 18 before we had a car that air conditioning but yeah, I grew up in a house, sorry to get off of this,
2: but I also grew up in a house where it was like a window unit on one side of the house and then just a fan kind of stuck oscillating <laughs> to get that cold air, you know, to the rest of the house.
0: And you probably, I slept in the room, I slept in my living room yeah.
1: under
2: that
0: AC. I was like, my room sucks ass. Now I just slept in there.
2: Mine was a, in the kitchen slash dining room area. Really? And
1: yeah. I mean, when we were kids, you just you kind of got used to that and you did what you had to do. But now I wouldn't go back. No, we're so soft now. We are for sure. Oh,
0: it's 77 in here.
1: (laughs) It's we bought a camper. And so I plugged into the house and turned the AC on. And I was throwing this little baby tantrum because I was like, it only gets down to 75. (laughs) And I was like, it's not a big enough AC for the unit. And my wife's like, We'll get shady camping sites. It'll be fine. Uh, and so we do, and it was fine, but I was like, right. you know, it's funny how coddled we are now. I know. 75, I couldn't even sleep. That's that's like the
0: temperature of hell. Because we grew up with no technology also, and now if it takes longer than nine seconds for something to download, you're like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Right in the stone age. My battery only lasted
1: seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of crap. <laughs>
0: Oh, so yeah, we'd go to the Cincinnati mall and I'd sit in the back of the store on Saturday mornings while my dad and several of the other local farmers played dominoes. I'm gonna tie this into Skidmore, I promise. They all wore overalls, most with a handkerchief and a pair of pliers stuffed in the bib pocket. And the ones who Who did you guys shoot? <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: <laughs> then one day <laughs> Then one day this my, troublemaker came into town. My dad and the other old farmers. <laughs> Surrounded his truck. Well, Joe did tie it. He tied it up nicely.
0: <laughs> I did not know that about you, Joey.
1: But the ones who weren't smoking
0: a cigarette or cigar, cigar, that is, were drinking glass bottles of Dr. Pepper with some salty peanuts floating on top. Oh, amazing. I was just thinking
2: about that a while ago whenever you said a uh, bottle of Dr. Pepper yep. in a candy bar. Yep. I was like, what about a- in those peanuts yeah, in there. a bag of peanuts to pour in. Yep. I used to do that a ton.
1: When I yeah, that's again. good. That's good stuff. One of the old farmers
0: that my dad was best friends with, his name was Otis. You actually know him. Okay. So you actually know him, Ivan, and his family, actually, because he's probably been gone for a while, but he was the first one I saw do that. And that's cool. Yeah, it was just like, it was amazing.
1: I bet you had some RC Colas and some Moon Pies there, too. Oh,
0: we did, actually. Yeah. Yeah, some penny candy there, bazooka bubble gum. <laughs> My dad and the fellow farmers, they'd sit around and talk about their crops, their cattle, and how many chickens had died in the heat that summer, but never politics back in the good old days. Anyways, the whole time I was reading about Skidmore, I couldn't help but picture my little hometown. The similarities were so strong. And when you uh, look up the old news uh, segments, the old farmers that they interview, man, it's like, just do it sometime because every single one of them just looked like my dad and his friends. Salt of the earth. Yeah. It's just a farmer with some thick rim glasses and a trucker hat that says like, you know, Billner's feeds on it with a pair of overalls with a handkerchief hanging out. It's just like, God, that's nostalgic, dude. I just that's what that's what I grew up with. That's the people I grew up around. Yeah, that's so awesome. maybe that's another reason why I have such a
1: uh love for Skidmore or something. Yeah, because you can know. see their point of view, like some guys messing with these good people. You yeah. Know? Yeah.
0: Well, some point to this first major incident in the Battle of McElroy versus Skidmore and say that it occurred on July 27th, 1976, when Ken was 40. This is usually the point where the story begins to be covered. A local farmer named Romaine Henry was in his barn working one day when one of his sons came out to tell him he'd heard gunshots while out on their property. Henry jumped in his 74 GMC to investigate. As he turned out of their drive, he saw a green Dodge truck... Parked a little ways down the dirt road He realized too late That it was Ken McElroy Oh no! Not wanting any trouble He decided to just drive on by And go back to the farm But as he tried to pass by the Dodge Ken stepped out in the middle of the road Holding a shotgun Henry noticed a younger guy sitting in the Dodge Who ducked down when he looked Ken walked around to the passenger side Of Henry's truck and jerked on the door handle But it didn't open Romaine leaned over and opened it for him He's like, what do you need, Ken? Ken stuck the barrel of the shotgun in and said, were you the dirty son of a bitch over at my place in a white Pontiac? (laughs) And there's actually a video that was taken like a couple years later of Romaine telling the story in the same truck parked where it happened. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Anyway, staring down the barrel of Ken's shotgun, Henry assured him he did not own nor even know anyone who owned or knew anything about a white Pontiac. Ken then yelled, you're a lying son of a bitch, before he lowered the barrel down to Henry's stomach and pulled the trigger, blasting a massive hole in his abdomen, scattering blood, skin, and tissue all over the inside driver's door. (laughs) I'm not joking. And he lived? Oh, he didn't shoot him just once. Oh. As Henry was scrambling to put the truck in gear, Ken pumped in another shell and fired again, this time hitting Henry in the neck and face. He ducked out of the way, but still caught a load of buckshot. At this point, Henry opened the door and crouched on the other side of the truck to avoid being shot again. As he hid behind the truck, he heard the gun go off again, but wasn't hit. Henry recognized the type of shotgun Ken was using and knew that it only held three shells. Knowing this, and knowing that Ken would now have to stop and reload, Henry used this time to make his escape. He jumped back in his truck, slammed it in the gear, and floored the gas. As he tore down the gravel road, he realized the horror, with horror, that is, that Ken was now in his truck and on Henry's tail. Every few moments, he'd fire again, and pellets would pepper Henry's truck. Then, for reasons he never really understood, the green Dodge dropped back and gave up the chase. It was only then, when Henry was no longer fighting to avoid being shot to death, that he realized the extent of his injuries. He looked down at the grapefruit-sized hole in his belly then into the rearview mirror and the blood gushing from his face. He rushed home where he managed to stumble from his truck to the porch where his horrified wife met him at the door. Barely conscious, he gasped, I think we better get me to a hospital. Yeah, man. So Romaine Henry was like a really established Skidmore farmer from a longtime Skidmore family. So that's why a lot of people point to, like, this is where Ken really started to zero in on Skidmore and... When he really started specifically messing with the people of Skidmore.
1: As you guys are so fast, they're both just like, well, it's happening in their feet. It's and- because I know we have a lot more. So this isn't the thing.
2: No. No, but I'm also just amazed that the dude lived through all yeah, that.
1: Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. And then he's like, I think we better get me to a hospital. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's after it's- Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Well, it took a week before Henry was able to come home again. He had a hole extending from his belly button eight inches to the left. He was covered in powder burns and lacerations, and x-rays revealed seven pellets lodged in his abdominal wall. Uh, They never got those out, as far as I know. Oh, my gosh. Thankfully, none of the pellets that struck him in the head penetrated his skull. The number one question was, who the hell did this to you, which Henry very adamantly stated Ken McElroy. Ken McElroy shot me. Ken was actually arrested. Wow. So that's a surprising. The very next day. His defense was short and simple. I didn't do it, I was somewhere else. And I got witnesses to testify to that. The altercation between Ken and Henry had occurred around five thirty on the afternoon of july twenty seventh. Wouldn't you know, two buddies of Ken's, Maurice O'Connor and Alvin Smith, came forward and swore that they were on the McElroy farm doing carpentry work that day, and Ken had been there from five to six. So he couldn't have shot him. Hmm. With this frequent flyer client in hot water once again, McFadden set about doing what he always did. He used any and every means necessary to delay the trial while Ken went after the witnesses. He succeeded in postponing the trial for over a year. And during that time, Romaine Henry's life was a living hell. Almost every day, Ken would drive back and forth past the Henry's house, sometimes a dozen times. He'd often park near the end of the drive, walk around to the bed of his green Dodge, and just stare at the house. Then at night, he'd continue to cruise past the house with his lights off. It became totally normal for Romaine and his wife to wake up each night to find their bedroom flooded with light. That window faced the road, and Ken had a high-powered spotlight on his truck that he'd shine into the house. I'd shoot my rifle at that high-powered spotlight. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> when did this lawyer die and go to hell? I mean, when did this lawyer die? Several years after Ken. Okay. Just, <laughs> just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> then one morning, when Henry went
0: out to start his tractor, it wouldn't start. So he walked over to his second tractor. It wouldn't start either. Hmm. Probably know where this is going. He called a mechanic who came out and discovered sugar in both fuel tanks. Henry even had it tested to verify... There was sugar indeed present in both fuel tanks and both tractors. Now, it didn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out Ken was behind it, but the sheriff, when called, said, well, we got no proof.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, Ken had... He needed Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> or Columbo. <laughs> One more thing. Meanwhile... It's like when Gomer got deputized on <laughs> Andy Griffith. How are we going to prove it, though? Yeah. I exactly. <laughs> Shazam! <laughs>
0: Got no proof. Even if Romaine would have said, myself and my entire family watched him do
1: it, they would have been like, but how's the proof of that? I just don't know. His friends that steal grain with him have a solid alibi. Yeah. He checks out. They were stealing grain that night <laughs> on another farm. Exactly. <laughs> Got multiple witnesses. I mean, uh, wait.
0: <laughs> now, uh, meanwhile, Ken, who had absolutely no fear of punishment, bragged about the harassment from his barstool at the D&G Tavern in Skidmore. And even bragged about the shooting, saying, quote, I thought I had that bastard shot deep enough that he'd
1: die before he got home. Allegedly. <laughs> That's what he, he probably threw that in at the end of every little brag. <laughs> and I even, he even
0: said that to another old farmer named Bill Everhart. Really? Yeah, I saw that in one of the older documentaries. That's the guy that brought up that. So on August 2nd, 1977... Ken McElroy was finally put on trial for shooting Romaine Henry in the stomach and
1: the face with a shotgun. Here he is again, shooting people with a shotgun again. Ken. Just read your notes. I'm not optimistic.
0: (laughs) As usual, Judge Wilson had excused himself and another judge was found. Wilson had confided in a friend that Ken had threatened to burn down his barn and then just a few nights
1: later, his barn burned down. (laughs) I don't know who did it though. He did it anyway? He did. Well, he's not even—he's not even honorable and a threat, right? You know, he doesn't even have that to.
0: Isn't it crazy?
1: You promised. You—you <laughs> you just threatened. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> say you were going to. That's just be an empty threat. I didn't preside over the case. Why would yes, you still yeah, burn it right. down? I thought we had a deal.
0: <laughs> I'm gutless because of you. <laughs> well, Wilson wanted no part of any case involving Ken still, and uh, meanwhile, Ken's two buddies, Maurice and Alvin had changed their alibi for Ken several times. So first, they were doing carpentry work. Then they claimed Ken had called them for help working on his dodge. Then they said they were with Ken from 5 to 6 p.m. Then it was 8 that morning until 6 p.m., but all the versions shared one commonality. They put Ken on his farm until 6.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's all that as (laughs) It doesn't matter, yeah. It doesn't matter that they were all different. (laughs) They're all consistent in one way. He couldn't have been there. Right. That's all we know. Yeah. Quit nitpicking. Work out the details for
0: yourself. All you know is he wasn't. At the shooting site.
1: Every story they have leads to the same result. It didn't have time. (laughs) What's more, for months preceding the trial, McFadden
0: had sworn that although he had two alibi witnesses for Ken, he couldn't locate them. Then, when the trial started, he brought them out of nowhere. You see, the law states that each side must be aware of each other's evidence and witnesses before trial so they can decide how to proceed. Disclosure. That's completely it. Obviously, the prosecution objected to Maurice and Alvin dropping out of the sky, but the judge allowed their testimony. I'll allow it. So that was pure <laughs> McFadden, just like, I'll hold him in the wings until last
1: minute. Your Honor, this thing that they're doing's illegal. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he did shoot Romaine. I'll allow it. Wait, what? Can you do that? We're actually going to allow everything this douchebag does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Stricken that from the record. (laughs) Well,
0: mind you, Ken was the only one with witnesses, right? Because there was nobody with Romaine when he got shot. Mm. Yes. Several farmers had watched Ken tear by their houses, though, in his green dodge on the day. So they did put him in the vicinity. But it doesn't even matter because by the time of the uh, trial, most of them had recanted their Hmm. testimony that they'd even seen Ken in the area. Yeah. Well, there were like a couple that stuck around and testified, okay? This is basically the isn't it possible routine that McFadden would do. (laughs) I'm going to do both voices. One will be the farmer. One is McFadden. Okay. McFadden. What time did you say you saw Mr. McElroy? Farmer. Well, somewhere around 540. McFadden Okay, when you saw Mr. McElroy, did you also have your watch or clock in direct line of sight? Farmer Uh, well, no. I wasn't looking at a clock. McFadden Well, then, isn't it possible that you could have seen Mr. McElroy later or earlier than the time you think you saw him? Farmer Well, I mean, I guess. McFadden And isn't it possible then that you might have seen my client up to 20 minutes before or after you think you saw him? Farmer. Well, like I say, I'm pretty much sure it was around 540. I mean, I guess it could have been a little sooner or later. McFadden. Your Honor, I submit that this so-called witness can't even state the time he supposedly saw my client with any specificity, and I urge you to dismiss his testimony. That was basically it, though. For their respective parts on the stand, both Ken and Henry were equally steadfast and adamant in their testimony. Henry insisted Ken had shot him. Ken insisted he was back at his house and Henry was trying to frame him. Did he shoot himself with a shotgun? Who shot him then? Who did shoot him?
1: It's like the OJ thing. We'll never know the real killer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) After closing arguments, the jury went into deliberation and soon emerged with a verdict. Not guilty. Yes. Yes. McFadden grinned and winked at Ken who looked at Henry and shot him a grin. By this point Romaine Henry just wanted it over. The previous year of harassment had been almost unbearable and all he wanted now was to be left alone. He hoped that since he was acquitted and the trial was over maybe Ken would finally move on to his next victim. It wasn't quite that easy. Two months after the verdict Henry was driving home when he met Ken on the road. As Henry peered into his rearview mirror, sure enough, he saw Ken's truck flip a U-turn and begin to follow him.
1: I mean, he won.
0: Leave him alone. Well, okay, here it goes, Romaine thought to himself. If he got away with shooting me the first time, why the hell won't he do it again? Why not? Right? All he has to do is find a couple scumbags to say, hey, was shooting craps with us over in Quitman." <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Henry just hoped he'd survive this shooting as well. You know, it's just crazy what these people were reduced to. I, well, I hope I don't die. I guess. Shit. Let's ju- I don't know what to do. Let's just go home.
1: I think an ev- everyone in town should wear one of those Flava Flav clocks <laughs> on their necks. That way everyone knows exactly what time it is. That way you can't be innocent anymore. Did you have a clock? Indirect line. of like, yes, I did,
0: motherfucker. <laughs> I always do. As he pulled up to his farm's closed gate, he saw Ken pull over about 50 yards behind him and step out of the truck. Screw it, Henry thought and he threw his truck in park, turned it off, and stepped out to open the gate. Seconds later, he heard the crack of a high-powered rifle and heard a bullet whiz past his head. He took a deep breath and walked a few feet to his combine. This is from Romaine's own words. He said he had work to do, and if he was going to die, he might as well go out working. Instead, Ken placed the rifle back in his truck and drove away. Henry didn't even bother reporting the incident. Ken was untouchable. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, what was the point? He just went on about his day. And we'll find out the old uh, hijinks Ken was up to in the fourth episode.
1: Oh, hijinks. <laughs> was he such a rascal, that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. Tom foolery. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been a good one, Joe. I'm fully expecting to get mad every episode. You will. For a while. Oh, my! we haven't even got to the Bowen camps yet. Just wait. And then, whenever the thing happens that we all know is going to happen, we need to. There has to be some music playing in the background or something, like the SpongeBob Sweet Victory song or something. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> I was just thinking that that shot wasn't even like a warning shot. It was like a salt in the wound kind of, just like
1: yeah, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a yeah. That's the message. And that's, well, he may have been actually trying to
0: kill him because he was not a good shot. I guess he shot multiple people at close. Well, it was Close range a with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. A shotgun. And not killed them, but yeah, he, he used a rifle this time, and uh, I don't know, do you think he was actually trying to kill them, or do you think it was
1: just a FU type? I think,
2: that, I think it was just
1: an FU. Mm. Yeah, probably. That Unless he's sense. just incompetent. But why wouldn't he just shoot them again, you know? True. Or get closer. Or I whatever. didn't
0: think, yeah, I bet it was just a, hey man, just to let you know, I can do whatever I want.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, man. So, I yeah. I can't wait to the end of this, but. Just power through it So to close out this episode uh, We happen to have And we've
0: mentioned them In previous episodes We happen to have An insanely talented Guitarist Listener from Australia Named Ken He's the
1: voice of the bidet mate That's him Yes And we were joking around We're like I wonder if he'd do it And I'm thinking "Uh, There's
0: no way he's gonna do it And he was all over it Yeah I
1: know That's cool That just shows how cool Of a person he is
0: Yes yeah. Well, he's also an amazing guitarist. Very. Uh, acoustic, that's from what from what I've heard. And so he has a lot of material on Spotify. Just look up Ken Cook. I think it's C-O-O-K-E. And you can find his music on there. And with his permission, we are going to close out some of these episodes with some of his compositions, some of his original compositions.
1: It's a balance, too, because you've got Ken McElroy, the biggest douchebag on the planet, <laughs> second only to his lawyer, and one of the nicest people on the planet, the other Ken. So that's- Ken Cook. He has saved the name Ken. He's just revived Yes, it. yes. Good Thankf- name. I'm thankful. So <laughs> thankful for him.
0: So, yeah, I guess as we fade out of this episode, we're going to leave you with the smooth, sultry, bluesy rhythm of Ken Cook.